everybody, it's Joe Power Farms, the ladies working dog group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me, you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week, we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Found It, Fetched It. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined with the amazing LWDG Group expert, Claire Denya from Family Dog Services, and our absolutely loved Abby Reed from River Lily Working Dogs. How are you both today, ladies? Yeah, I'm very, very well, thank you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, very good, thank you. Fantastic. And today we're going to be talking about a wonderful topic that I'm sure loads of listeners will love, and that is the journey of raising a retriever. So I'm sure you're going to tell us lots of tips and tricks and and tales about your own sort of dogs and their journey but can we start by talking about like with a, a retriever to begin with like what are the breed characteristics what is the temperament of a dog that we would call a retriever retrievers obviously there's lots of different breeds of retrievers but we're kind of really focusing here on the labrador retriever or the golden retriever things like that the characteristics i mean without a doubt these dogs are very clever they're fun to be around they're very loving they're very characteristic but they're not to be taken lightly and i think the very common mistake a lot of people who haven't owned a retriever make is that they underestimate the personalities of these dogs what do you think Abby? Yeah most definitely and what you need to remember is all these retriever breeds are pre-programmed to want to put something in their mouth okay that's that's in the genes it's what they do with it once it's in their mouth okay there's up to you to teach the little puppy actually you know it needs to bring it back and you know behave in a manner that's appropriate that you you're trying to nurture this is a really interesting point, isn't it? Because if I look at a lot of questions that we get in our groups, normally uh, they are around the fact that the dog is picking up something they don't want to and how do they deal with that. So let's talk about, rather than like the cure to problems, but the prevention of these things right at the beginning for people who've got new pups right now, how can we deal with the pup that's picking up everything but the puppy that's picking up everything is actually eventually going to end up a fabulous retriever fabulous gun dog for you but you need to remember whatever he has in his mouth okay is a good thing it's a good thing you're not cross for him or her for picking it up so it could be your remote control or your shoes you just want that item back you need to be pleased that the puppy is parading it around the house it's up to you to teach that young dog to come back and it's rewarding to come back with whatever it has in its mouth, whether or not you think it should have it in its mouth. I agree 100% with what Abby just said. Um, and actually, this is happening in my household right now. I've got beautiful little Jeannie, our new puppy. She's nine weeks old. Actually, Rooster, Abby's lovely dog, is her dad. And everything is in her mouth. Like, literally everything is in her mouth. And at the moment, she has a habit of wanting to take it to her lair, which is a bed, <laughs> essentially. Um, and that could be any bed. And she just wants to go there and hold it. So what we're doing, anything that ends up in the 
house, we're sitting on that bed. So she's bringing it to us inadvertently. She's not even thinking about it. And then when she comes over, we're making a massive fuss of her and she's rolling on her back, still holding the item and we're stroking her under the chin. And we're just teaching her that she can hold on to things. She can show off with them to us and that we're not going to be cross about whatever it is at the minute. It is literally everything. And I think, Abby, you touched on remote control it was a remote control yesterday <laughs> uh, we've got slippers it's literally everything and we're just showing her that her holding things and bringing them to us um is really valuable and appreciated by us so we don't want to squash that desire in her because it's just there naturally so the last thing we want to do is squash it so if the thing's in the in the mouth it's a retrieve that's it <laughs> It must be hard, though, or it must be something that an owner needs to do is to ensure the rest of the family are on the same page. Because if your dog's picking up, I don't know, your teenager's brand new shoes or, you know, picking up your husband's mobile phone, they are going to inadvertently, without any malice, get crossed with the dog, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, without looking shocked at whatever you see in your puppy's mouth, you have to treat that item as if it's not actually a bad thing to have it in his mouth. So if, for example, they are picking up your husband's mobile phone, you have to deal with it, get your puppy back, and then deal with your husband for leaving it in such a place that your puppy could get it in the first instance. So as, as well as training the puppy, you need to actually train, as you said, your family. And kind of like the biggest bit of advice I would give is if you see something in your puppy's mouth that he shouldn't have, do not panic. The worst thing you can do is panic and start getting all excited or agitated or chase your puppy. Treat it the same as if it's a little puppy dummy. Get your puppy back and, you know, just be pleased. Abby, Abby's absolutely spot on there. And I think I always say to clients all the time, especially at like puppy consultations, I'll say to them, if you don't want it in the puppy's mouth, don't leave it on the floor. Simple. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if it's on the floor and the puppy picks it up, that's your bad. That's your bad, not the puppy. <laughs> yeah, because if you saw a toddler, I don't know, walking around with a shoe, you'd be like, come on, give it, you know, I'll take that, mum, take that, you have the toy, whatever it would be, it would be um, pleasant with them. We certainly don't scream at our toddlers for picking things up. It's just part and parcel. Just having that understanding with our pups, isn't it? Yeah, and if you've got a very soft retriever you know a puppy that's got a very soft character actually you can do a lot of harm by shouting at him or her for putting the in inverted commas the wrong item in their mouth you might actually put them off retrieving so you have to be really careful and you just have to go okay you've got it in your mouth I just want it back for mm. lots of lots of um or rewards whatever your puppy thinks is rewarding come back you know for that with whatever he happens to have in his mouth so to move forward a little bit from this, um, because I'm sure that's one of the, the biggest issues um, a new puppy owner sees, what other things can they be doing to encourage what is, like we've just discussed, a natural behaviour for many? How can we be encouraging the retriever behaviour? Okay, so it, it's it's in there. Most puppies will go out okay, um, to a retrieve item article from that point onwards, depends on the character of your dog. If it's not that keen, it might blink the dummy or the toy. It might pick up the dummy, bring it back, but not give it up. 
Okay, and also it might pick up the dummy and just come and deliver it beautifully. There are very rare puppies out there that just naturally will do it. So you just have to work with whatever your puppy, you know, thinks is the correct behavior to do. And you won't know that until your very first retrieve. So as soon as you've seen what your puppy does with the first thing you ever throw for him or her, you're going to know that's your homework. Yeah, it's really, really true. And I think um, your dog needs to understand. And, and this is where it goes back to what Abby and I were just saying about you can't tell the puppy off for picking things up because when your puppy's got something in the ma- in their mouth to prevent them wanting to run off with it or to prevent them um, getting their own ideas going off and hiding it, chewing it up, burying it, whatever it is, the dog's got to feel as though they're going to be welcomed back by you with that item as well. And that's really important. So building that bond with the puppy so they trust you and want to be in your space is really important. And at the moment, that's kind of the main focus with our little pup is that bond and her trusting us and her wanting to be in our space, whatever she's doing. So that's really important because if you haven't got that with your puppy and they're not the most natural retriever, you're going to have a lot more work to do to create that. Um, So that bonding is is really, really important. And like Abby said, you need to know what the puppy finds rewarding. So, I mean, Abby's had loads more retrievers than I have. We're on our fifth retriever. She's had loads more than me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, double, see? But every single one of mine, and Jeannie is now different, has been different to train and is showing different qualities and different traits. And has a different uh, reward system to the other one. Um, so it's getting to know that puppy and, and knowing what makes them tick and what floats their boat, so to speak. Yeah, I think, Claire, you're so right there. Like, each puppy is different. So you mentioned welcoming your puppy back. And mm. you so rightly said the puppy then needs to be rewarded for coming back. And mm. it's up to the individual handler or owner of the puppy to work out what that puppy finds rewarding okay so may it be food love treat another go whatever but he has to want to come back and you as a handler have to work out what it is that's going to make the puppy consistently come back to you with the the dummy or their toy if i look at the hotness handler course that we sell and I look at the like figures, the retrieving module is probably the most watched. Everybody wants to know how to get a dog to retrieve. But then if I also look at the membership like studies, the, sorry, the membership courses, fixing retrieving problems are probably the most watched. So there's like everybody wants to be out there retrieving, they'll sort of not sidestep, but they'll do as little as possible on maybe some of the more boring commands to go and do the fun stuff and you can't be blamed like going out and getting your dog to retrieve is super fun but there is the one where like I don't know maybe there's a lot of problems a lot of things that can go wrong if you are not consciously thinking about what it is you're trying to achieve does that make sense yeah it it, it does yeah 100 percent. I think a lot of people like as you say doing the fun stuff they like doing the retrieving So when the dog is off the lead, enjoying themselves, we all love to see that. But what a lot of people don't do is they don't do the basics. They do not do the basics. So when the dog is actually attached to them on a lead or in their own personal space and the dog is not behaving or, 
you know, doing what he should. It's really unlikely that the puppy's like to behave himself when he's off free running with a dummy in his mouth or, or a toy, whatever it may be. So you really need to nail the basics, which for me is he'll work, a recall, a good sit stay and nice manners, nice manners to be around. If you work on those four fundamentals, then actually getting your puppy back with a retrieve, it might sound a bit strange, but it's just a lot easier because mm. your puppy is to doing what you ask, which is come back with a retrieve. It's absolutely true. It's it's um it's so important to have that relationship with with the dog where they want to work with you and for you, not do their own thing. <laughs> and you know, you you do see this all the time. Um, perhaps somebody says that their dog doesn't really engage with them on a walk. It goes off, you know, peeing up everything and doing its own thing. It has no interest in the handler, but then they expect to maybe pick up that retrieving item and throw it out and the dog to suddenly switch from one personality to the other. But if you haven't got that relationship with your dog where they want to be with you and they want to know what you're doing and want to be part of that, it makes that side of the training so much harder so it is so important that your dog wants to be with you and is looking to you for the fun. If your dog is always looking for the fun elsewhere, what's the point in, you know, for the dog, what is the point in that relationship with the retrieve? Because they can do their own thing and make their own fun. And a lot of the time what dogs find self-rewarding doesn't fit very well with what we're trying to teach them either. No, exactly. But on the flip side, because I'm teaching a new puppy group at the moment, when you have a young pup, you do actually have to have a good sense of humour. Oh, so yeah. you know, when they're running around with that dummy in their mouth in the puppy class or, or you know, out on your walk, actually, sometimes you just have to laugh. And, you you know, it's a youngster. You know, and if you try and get too structured too early and you're desperate to get the dummy back, it will take a lot longer. So sometimes you have to laugh outwardly, maybe not inwardly, you know, and just accept the behavior that's happening in front of you. Work on your basics that we've talked about and just keep plugging away and it will come good in the end. Mm. That's very true. And also what you've just said, Abby, is really important because a lot of people try to get things too formal too quickly take the fun out of it and it really flattens the dog as well doesn't it we see that a lot the dog becomes very flat and that desire starts to wane and you just sort of think oh crikey you know and and the dog's just lost that enthusiasm for it because it's all been made far too serious far too quickly for that dog you're totally correct you can run the risk of flattening a dog if it's a certain character if you have a dog who likes to have fun you can also go the other way with it and they could think, oh, actually, you're really dull. You know, all this structure, all this formality. Look at me. I can actually run around and do what I like. And it sends them the other way and they get even worse. They get even more wound up. They get even more. Oh, my gosh, this is fun. I found my freedom. You can't catch me. Let's enjoy it. So you have to let your puppy enjoy retrieving before you start putting too many rules into it okay I'm not saying puppy have free reign forever but you do have to let them enjoy it and you have to laugh as well a lot of that though comes from like we've talked about before and I saw it without a doubt to my father the most um seriousness about the task in hand like 
you see it when you go out with working dogs. You've got people who are there all like enjoying themselves. And then you've got, you know, I wouldn't call them the hardcore, but they're the people who like, if their dogs put one hair out of line, it is not appropriate. And that comes from a really old fashioned way of thinking. And I see novices coming into us or young, like people right at the beginning of the journey with their dogs. And they're like, so blinking serious. It's like, oh, we've got to get this perfect. This dog has got to be perfect from like 12 weeks old. And it's like, take the pressure off yourselves. This dog doesn't have yeah. to be perfect right now. They're a baby. Yeah. Mm. As I said, let them enjoy themselves and kind of let them teach themselves. I mean, I'm not saying let your puppy run riot, but if they get it right enough times and it's fun, they will want to repeat that behavior. It's like you've got to let them explore what's right or wrong as well as you teach them, you know, on the other side of that coin. You really do have to have a good sense of humour as well. I mean, that's so important. You've got to have a good sense of humour when you're teaching a retriever puppy. Um, that's something I've learned over the years is you can't hang on to things. You've got to let it go. Got to let it go. If something goes wrong, you've got to let it go and move on um, and come back to that. But there's no point getting it doesn't help the dog to get stressed and frustrated. You know, you've, you've got to have a good sense of humor about this. Yeah. And if, if you do all your training, you're just guiding your dog to repeat a behavior that's going to come consistent. So, I mean, if your puppy is continually running around, you're cleverer than your puppy. Put it in a retrieving lane and then mm. it comes. So it's you give it a chance in an open field and after like maybe a few times watching him run off, you know, with a little glint in his eye, go, actually, do you know what? I'm going to stick you in that retrieving lane and I'll get the behaviour that I want because you can't actually run off. And then, you know, just build it up from there. But just be a little bit cleverer than your puppy. It means it's a bit like, though, I know like we talk about children all the time and I've spoken about it today. But you think about now, if you're teaching a toddler, I don't know, to come back to you in a shop. If you are like the most boring person in the world, they're going to go, no way, there's just like all these other exciting things I can pull off the shelves. Whereas, you know, we don't seem to take that principle over, do we? If we're not excited, we're not pulling like happy faces or or really making a fuss when they make the right choice. And I think it's about getting that to the point where the dog's like, oh, going back will always be the right choice. I mean, today... Uh, I was teaching this puppy class and I think I must have said four times to some of the handlers, you know, you can smile at your dog. You know, they were so serious and it was like, oh gosh, do you know what? I'd be running around the field if I belong to you. Like, you know, <laughs> do something that makes your puppy think you're amazing. You know, and if, if you have trouble with delivery and your dog running off, okay, but that one time he comes back with the dummy but drops it on the floor, take that. Take it as a little win. Oh, my goodness. Instead of running around the field, okay, he dumped it on the floor in front of you, but he's not running around the field. So you have to, I think we touched on it earlier, you can't get everything in the right order on every single retrieve. I think this is something we talk about a lot, and this comes up a lot on the live Q&As, doesn't it? People are always asking how they get along sitting delivery people get really hung up on this so early with the dog when they haven't even got the foundations there right the dog isn't coming straight back to them once it's picked the retrieve and and then when the dog does get that right 
they then get frustrated that the dog doesn't give them this sitting delivery. And I'm like, but your dog's just done. A run out, it's picked, it's come all the way back to you and it's not had any praise or reward for getting that right. And that's been wrong for a long time. But because the owner in their head is getting so frustrated about wanting to achieve this perfect sitting delivery, the rest of the retrieve hasn't been praised or rewarded. So for the dog, where's the fun in that? You know, where's the fun in that? As far as the dog's concerned, well, I did all that hard work and you didn't appreciate it. Thanks very much. <laughs> You're right. And and yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did that. But then they'll like go, well, I tried my hardest last time. You didn't appreciate it. So this time I'm going to run off again. Yes. <laughs> You're really careful. So we talked about the basics and about the importance of like teaching the sits, the stays, all the other bits that go alongside or make a part of the retrieve. And I know we teach that heavily within the group the fact that there are many sections to a retrieve not just the retrieve as a whole as one but as we go on to sort of more advanced training you know people have got this idea that my dog will be a good retriever when it can do 200 meters to pick up a deck over five fences and bring it back and it's like that's you know that's the seriousness of, of what they're expecting out of the dog you know what what can we expect not like roughly now because we you know what we like we don't like to put ages on stuff but what what are the stages from basics what how do we build those up to more technically difficult retrieves I think personally for me is you mustn't overthink your training and you mustn't overcomplicate your training so once your puppy is going out and back okay say on a flat field with short grass Okay, take it into a new environment. See if they can do it for a shorter distance in a new environment. Just one dummy. Just one dummy when you've got a young puppy. You don't need to put two or three out just because, you know, Billy Jane down the road is putting three dummies out. Doesn't mean that you need to do it for your puppy. So you just keep it simple. And you just, you know that when you can build things up, when your puppy is going out and coming back. Yeah, it doesn't matter what, what you put in front of them. Is this, you want them out and back, that's the essence of a great retrieve. I think the thing is, what you've just touched on there is the importance of the proofing of those, each individual little thing that you're teaching. So with the retrieve, like what you just said there, Abby, about, you know, taking it to a new environment, but making it shorter. And a lot of people just assume that once they have taught that basic retrieve in one area, the dog should perform that in any area, under any circumstances, with any amount of distractions around and that's not the case you know the dog doesn't you know understand it in that context um and I always sort of liken that to when you look at competition obedience dogs in a hall and you see them going around the hall with this perfect heel work and they're walking beautifully but the dog doesn't know that behavior outside of that context they don't understand that behavior down the street so five minutes later, you go out to the car park and you can see the handler being like dragged out to the car across the car park. And all that beautiful hill work has just been forgotten. And it's that's the same thing. Um, and it's I think the thing is, do you think, Abby, because like you're very much like me, we're very open and honest about our training and we share the highs and the lows, the good and the bad and the ugly and the pretty. Um, but I think. A lot of a lot of people don't share that. They only share the really flashy, cool looking stuff. So that's 
possibly the expectation that a lot of Joe Public have, isn't it? They get this young gun dog and because the trainer down the road is doing 200 yard blind retrieves with that young dog, they think that that's the expectation that they should have for their young dog. Do you think that is an element to it? That definitely is an element. And that's why actually social media can be a very dangerous place because we all like to compare and go, well, my puppy's eight months old and he's doing this, but their puppy's eight months old and he's doing that. Actually, that's irrelevant. You don't really know what they're doing, you know, behind the scenes. So you just have to go with whatever level your puppy is at. And I think sometimes you have to be prepared to go backwards in your training and revisit things you thought your puppy had understood but seems to have forgotten mm. so you need to keep repeating 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 you know and I... puppy isn't mature enough for that as well aren't they they're not actually although technically they might get that they might not be mentally mature enough to be able to do that you know so there's the technical side and the maturity side as well and and I think what people forget is their puppies do not have an agenda. They have mm. no idea about tomorrow or next week or the little puppy perhaps competition that you've entered. They have no concept of what's around the corner. So you you just have to push all that to one side and train the puppy that's in front of you. And that puppy might be different on one day to the next because you need to remember they're growing as well. They're trying to grow a body at the same time as listen to you and learn all these like gundog training techniques mm. so you you have to let them grow up as well as try to teach them how you want them to behave i think as well it comes down to this whole thing that like you just said with social media you know my dog's blacker than your dog it's like but what does it matter and also the case of being able to say and not being scared to say well no my dog can't do that yet and that's okay because that's just not something we've mastered yet and be happy at the speed you're going. It's almost a little bit like um, competitive, isn't it? Like all of us trying to strive to have the perfect dog way before the perfect dog should be a perfect dog. Um, and sometimes you see dogs, they're like, like we discussed right at the beginning, some dogs just naturally get it. They literally, within weeks, naturally get it. And they are sometimes the easiest dogs in the world to train. I've watched dad with some of his and they were just, a breeze but for the three that were a breeze they might be 10 back in the kennels who are still nowhere near ready to go on a shoot so they see dad with his three and think that man's got it sorted why my dog's not like that they never ever see in the whole picture everything that's going on across you know across the board do you think as well for people when they're like going to trials and they're going to test and they see these highly polished dogs that they think I must feed to that point. Yeah, I always say to people, you never know what that dog was doing yesterday. I mean, I've been on loads and loads of training days, like where actually I've witnessed and my own dogs have been like fairly, what's the word, typically not great on a training day or whatever. And then the day after they'll come out and they'll blow me away. And you're like, oh my God, so what happened yesterday? So you don't know what point people have got to where they've got to, how they've got there. Every day is a different day. It's like us. Sometimes you feel like doing it. Sometimes you don't. I'm pretty sure these dogs, especially with all the distractions of the world, sometimes goes, do you know what? I'm not on the same page as you today. I'm not going to do it how you've taught me. But the day after they will. So it's, you know, it swings and roundabouts. 
that that's quite an important point that Abby what you just said there about training days and things like that especially if kind of handlers um and and owners they book on a training day perhaps with a trainer they've never trained with before and um they have a regular trainer so that regular trainer knows what that dog is like day in day out day in day out and what its progression has been when you then book on a training day with a trainer that doesn't know your dog and perhaps you turn up and something doesn't go right perhaps the dog is finding the environment too distracting or whatever it might be but that trainer is only seeing that dog in that moment in that snippet and so you have to be careful of the advice um, in situations like that because they don't really know the dog's personality they don't know how sensitive the dog is or whether the dog is more headstrong and things like that and I and I think you hear of things like that quite a lot and people go to training days and then the trainer says oh your dog's this but the dog isn't really that at all it's just it had an off day that day or something like that do you see that Abby? Yeah I mean definitely like, like let's say for example you've been training your your young puppy and he's not been coming back with a dummy consistently and delivering it in fact he's not really been coming back so you <laughs> you go on a training day and your puppy comes back first time ever and you are with this trainer you've never met and you are absolutely over the moon your puppy's come back and you want to reward him mm. but the trainer doesn't know your backstory that know that knows doesn't know that you haven't spent weeks and months getting that puppy to come back or then say well you didn't have delivery so it wasn't any good yeah you need to tell your puppy off for not delivering but actually you go well actually two weeks ago he wasn't coming back at all so you you need to like be pleased when you need to be pleased mm. and, you know and not confuse your puppy with the next level of training because you weren't there anyway and that's where we need to have, and I will make a thing, uh, a podcast this week explicit. That's where we need to have a bit of balls and then turn around and say, hold on, this dog hasn't been doing this. Because sometimes we can be in so in awe of the trainer that, you know, the, like the example you've just given. If that was me and I didn't have the confidence to say, well, no, no, that's the first time that dog's come straight back to me. I might then give my dog a round and the dog might be like, huh? I thought that's what you wanted for ages, or I thought it just clicked. And then that's even more confusing because now you put a big memory in a new place into a young dog that what I thought you wanted isn't the right one, even though it was. Yeah. yeah. It's remember, it's your dog at the end of the day. You live with him or her. Obviously, you go to trainers and you listen to their advice. And if you like it, you take it. But if you want to pray, ultimately, if you want to praise your own dog, then you go ahead and praise him or her. I think as well, if you think about it the other way around, if the, your dog said to you, if your dog could talk and you said, like, what are we going to do? We're going to go out in the field. I am going to throw dummies all over this field and make you run back and forth for them. And you're going to be really happy about it. I'm going to say, well done when you come back. That's all you're having for it. Get out and get on. We'd be, be a little bit like, uh, sorry, what am I doing? Whereas our dogs just do it all day. And if you literally think about it that way, look how good they are. Even when they run out and they parade around and they, you know, they give us a bit of nonsense. They are always pretty much wanting to do the best thing. And they're always pretty much good-hearted about it. There is not the frustration that in the dog that we think there is. It's something we are like sort of put it onto the dog. We think they are being naughty or being a bad dog, which we covered like in a, in a podcast a few weeks ago. 
they are genuinely just trying to do the best with their understanding, aren't they? But yeah. they're just in the moment, like we said earlier, they do not have an agenda. They know nothing about where they're trying to get to. At that point in time, they are doing what they think is correct. Obviously, there is such a thing as a naughty dog, because when they know the rules, they're being naughty. But specifically to the young puppies that we're talking about, actually, you just need to be consistent, as we said earlier, and just reward it when they get it right. You know, I mean, I'm sure Claire has seen this. You get a lot of young puppies coming training who are really, really well ahead in their structured training. And people are like, wow, six months and your puppy can do that. This is what I found. And actually, at a year old, those really, really well-trained, obedient puppies, because they've not been allowed to run around and have fun, go the other way. You know what? I've been squashed a bit here, been a little bit squashed. I've not had fun. But now I'm big, big enough and old enough and I've realised I can run. I run. And, I absolutely and I, do. I make my own rules, like, because yeah. you haven't let me explore me making my own rules when I was young. Mm. I do see that, Abby. It's absolutely right. The dog starts to push back a little bit. They hit, they hit sort of those teenage and later adolescent times, and you get a bit of pushback because the dog is literally like, "Yeah, no, not now. I yeah. want to do this instead." And you see yeah. these other things creep in, and the owners are just bewildered because they're like, "Well, for the first six months, my puppy's been this little angel." But they don't take into account that the dog's hormones are changing, um, their desires are changing, everything about them is changing. And yes, you can absolutely get some pushback from that. And I do see it. Um, and and you see the little signs creep in and you start saying to people, just just watch that, be aware of that. Maybe have a little bit of fun with your dog yeah. in between the stuff. And because they haven't had to do that. The handlers can put up a bit of a barrier about that. It's a bit alien to them to have fun with the dog. And it's like, I really would recommend you start to have a little bit of fun with your dog. And also giving them a day off training. I think people often forget that dogs need a break as well. And that, and they need a rest and have some downtime and some fun. Again, otherwise you can, the dog can bounce either go, you know, far less enthusiastic, lose a bit of desire and drive, or just go crazy stir crazy and actually you see showboating increasing and things like that because the dog doesn't get that downtime to let that kind of steam off it's different though if you think about it to us like i don't know we go on a diet this january we're really really restrictive with ourselves <laughs> and then you know come february my husband would say to me i do it all the time i say you say joan do you really want to eat that oh my god i'm like what what do you mean do i want to eat that because i'm to the point where the pressure of trying to do everything perfectly. I've broken. My head can't take any more. So I'm like, you know, I won't say any more swear words. But you think, transfer, I'm going to go completely the other way. And, you know, the next day, you need deep in KFC. I've seen myself do it. And it's just because you just cannot take the pressure of always getting things so, so perfect. And again, we don't allow our dogs the freedom to think, hold on, they've been getting this bang on for weeks after weeks. Perhaps right now, we just need to change the conversation. Mm. You know, you have to let them let off steam. You can't, They can't be perfect all the time. And what you find is your little well-trained puppy at six months that you've kind of like put in a little box and you haven't let them play will suddenly go, hang on a minute, this is maybe a bit stressful. 
I need to run around a bit or I need to play you up because actually I could never let off steam as a youngster. So now I'm going to do it now. And believe me, to have a, an adolescent running around out of control is a lot more hard work to fix than a young puppy who who just actually wants to have fun. So I'm not saying let your puppy like run riot, but what I'm saying is you need to let them grow up and have fun. Yeah. Don't be in a rush. I, I agree. I agree so much with that. Everybody is in such a rush these days. And I do think, Abby, a bit like what you said earlier, social media has a hell of a lot um, of influence on that. And it is because of what people post and what people show and what people say. And, yeah, you've just got to look at it like... I look at little Jeannie now and she's such a little feisty character and I love that about her. You know, she's giving the big dogs a, a barking at when <laughs> she's trying to get their attention and play down and bark. I mean, she needs to have fun. You know, she's a puppy. She needs to have fun. And, and there is all the time in the world to get the things that we want from her. Um, but right now she's got to learn to trust us and the world she's in and and explore things and get to understand things I think because if you don't allow a puppy to explore and learn you're not letting them really develop properly you're not letting them come into their own and you what you know for me I want a resilient puppy I want a puppy that's got confidence and resilience and can bounce back from mistakes because if you don't let the puppy um, develop that fixing anything in training like later on is really really difficult isn't it yeah, I, and I think as handlers, we all try to imprint our own personalities on the puppy. So, I mean, all three of us sitting around this table, we're all very different mm. characters. We learn very differently and we have different motivators. So, you know, you mustn't imprint your own wants too much on the puppy. You have to let the puppy grow up and show you his character so mm. you can then train his character. One size doesn't fit all. So say, Joe, your motivator is very different to mine, I'm sure. What you like as a reward is probably different to me to make me want to do something. So let your puppy show you his character. Like I think, Claire, you said Jeannie's feisty. So, you know, let her grow up, show you that, and then you know how to train her. My next puppy might be really soft, so I would train her differently to Jeannie, but we would get to the same destination just on a different path. And touching on this point, like I know it's in a past podcast, they are changing as a breed. All the breeds, without doubt, in the last five, ten years, they've changed. They've become softer in one way, but more hot-headed in another way. We are yeah. dealing with a very different dog to the dogs that are maybe just pets. Like, you know, I know a lot of our members and a lot of our community, they have their gun dog just as a pet. They'll never go on an estate, and that's absolutely fine. But it's still it's still going to have those new temperamental traits of being uh, an athlete that needs you to work with them to bring the fun into their training, to bring all these things, to bring resilience, to bring the confidence, to bring the problem solving, because a great retriever at a high level will use all of those skills. Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, like I've been doing this 17 years now, my oldest dog, Maya, would be over 17. She had all the drive in the world and she was a lot more resilient than, say, now Sparkle, who is a great granddaughter, who has all the drive in the world, but is a lot softer. Mm. So Maya, her great grandma, like, you know, would just zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, be happy to do it a hundred times. With Sparkle, if she gets it wrong, she's almost mortified. 
but she's got the same drive. So I'm having to train her very differently to previous dogs because as a breed, certainly the Labradors are a lot softer than they ever used to be. Indies almost. She was very driven, but very headstrong and so quite serious with the training. Whereas Rose and Abby, you know Rose very well. <laughs> you know, Rose is very fun loving and she loves to work, but she can be very silly, especially if she makes a mistake. And this is where working with a trainer, like, you know, I take Rose down to see Abby and Abby is very open minded to seeing what happens with Rose when sometimes she's being a bit cheeky. But is she being cheeky or... Or is she now losing confidence because perhaps I I did something in a certain way? So it's reading between those lines. And I never had that with Indy. Indy was very straightforward to train. <laughs> and Rose is soft, but she's also cheeky. But she has a lot of drive. But she's quite a complex character. And, and I think more and more of the retrievers that I work with now, young ones that are sort of under sort of five years old, I feel like they have a lot more complex characters. Do you see that, Abby? Oh, 100%. 100%. Which is why, going back to our earlier conversations, you have to let your puppy grow up. Mm. So see his character, and then you can train him or her appropriately. Mm. The character that he actually has inherently. Fabulous. To finish up this call, all about our lovely retrievers and, and, you know, how we can overcome some of the challenges, how we can prevent some of the challenges and what to expect. I'd like to finish off by asking you both, what is your most memorable retrieve? The retrieve where you were like, oh, my God, that was insanely good. Wow. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Crikey. Okay, so... I'm going to go with mine because Abby knows my rose very, very well. And um, she she does lack confidence on what we would call a true blind retrieve. So one without shot, not been in the area, things like that. And this shoot season, I don't know if you guys saw the video. I don't know. But I had to put her into a lake on a blind retrieve that was incredibly, incredibly long. And I don't know whether it was the drive of actually the shoot day and knowing she was going for a bird or the fact that she loves water retrieving so much. But she took this most immaculate line off this retrieve and I literally turned around to everyone and I went, why can't she do that in training? (laughs) It was incredible. So for me, that's probably a really memorable retrieve, I think, because, yeah, I don't know, just that's really stood out to me. This, this recently is one that I can really think of. Abby? Uh, well, memorable in a good way or memorable because, <laughs> I, I mean. You could I'll, go with either. I'll go, I'll tell you, well, Claire did a memorable, amazing one. I'll do a memorable, for maybe not the right reason, is my beautiful Roxy, who was a picking up machine. Like, she lived to pick up. Was not really into dummies. So <laughs> in a working test. Um, we sent her into some into the woods and she came back uh, with a dead fish out of the river. So it was like we sent her into the woods. There was a river in there. She was meant to be looking for a Mark's retrieve. We'd seen a Mark. So she'd seen the dummy, but she obviously thought she wouldn't pick the dummy. She picked some manky dead fish from the side of the river. So there you go. That's my most memorable, not for a good reason, but. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's dogs for you. You do remember though, Abby, when Rose found a fish training over at yours as well. That yeah. dead monkey fish. Yeah. 
I, I totally love that story, Abby. That's amazing. Yeah. It was a monkey, a monkey dead fish. Yeah. I, I, and a, uh, and a zero score for not it was never, it was zero score. I did ask, was it a 20? Because it was a marked retreat, right? Even I could see the fish was nowhere near where the dummy was. That's so funny. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, ladies, thank you for your time. Thank you for another amazing podcast. Um, to the listeners, if you need any help with your retrieving, we do have our LWDG membership, which is closed at the moment. So if you are urgently needing to get help, you can start with our Hot Mess Handler course. You can find all the information on our website, www.thelwdg.com. Um, we hope you will all join us next week for what will probably be another amazing, another fun podcast that you're absolutely going to love. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone. We'll see you all next week.